0: What's going on guys, Kieran Headley here from the Pocket Coach Podcast. So I am with someone very exceptional. I've actually learned a lot from this man in some very recent months. Uh, he's even taken me through a breathing course I've just participated in, which has taught me absolute wonders and also transformed uh, my own life in a really subtle way, but it's been actually very beautiful in terms of the things that I've not just learned from these practices, but this man himself. And this man, Daniel, who I'm going to introduce now, I've been uh, doing more research on him on top of the things that I've already known. It's just blown my mind. Uh, He's the founder of Beyond the Ceiling, which has been almost 14 years of coaching, of 53 CEOs, four visionaries, 504 research scientists. Uh, He's a managing director of Exponential Founders Fund, which is an NZ Tech investment company. He's also the only New Zealander featured in National Business Review as an actor and as a chief executive. He's founded a tech company that went global and had uh, 24 expo- export markets. He founded a venture capital company. He's also the author of How to Change the World with One Pitch, which James, by the way, has recommended me massively. I'm going to have a look at that at some stage. Uh, author of, um, sorry, he's. Also, one of New Zealanders is yes, honestly so many things. I'm jumping, but <laughs> one of New Zealanders' top advisors on investment pitching. He's a keynote speaker. He trains stress and elimination in public and prisons. Uh, he's a the nas- national teachers coordinator for the Art of Living Foundation, which was founded by uh, a spiritual leader, which is who's world world renowned, Sri Sri Ravi Shankar, and most of all. He's also a family, uh, he's also a fantastic family man and a fantastic father. So without further ado, I'd love to introduce Daniel Baden. Welcome to um, The Pocket Coach, it's good to have you. Yeah.
1: Thank you, Kieran, it's great to be here. Mm.
0: Yeah, it's um, it's honestly an honor. And actually I'd love to even dive straight into that idea of uh, working around the training of stress because I'm very well aware of Mm. you at one stage as well, really struggled with this concept of stress Uh, in fact it almost by the sounds of it from what I've gathered from some of your stories where you weren't even almost aware that stress was an issue Uh, I'd Mm -hmm. love to dive into that with you and uh, what did it take so what was stress like for you at that point in time and what did it take for you to actually realize finally it was an issue that you needed to do something about
1: yeah great question so there's been more than one occasion when stress was a big issue and the first one It was something, a personal tragedy. So my first child, when she was six weeks old, she passed away. And she was born with a heart tumour. And so we knew that she could have a, a short lifespan. And when it happened, of course, there was the grief and the sadness and the intense sadness. But what I wasn't prepared for is what would happen when I had another child. And... What did happen is in the weeks leading up to the birth, I suddenly became incredibly stressed. And I even started having something that I'd never had, which was panic attacks, Wow! because I was so concerned that something, even though it made no sense rationally, and we'd been reassured that this was nothing to do with genetics, it was just something completely inexplicable. In my mind, of course, none of that logic made sense. So there was a lot of fear. Very fortunately, my second child was born two weeks early. And so I'm very grateful for her for that because it saved me two weeks of stress. Oh, wow. But what it showed me is that we can't really rely on outside events to grant us a deliverance from stress. And so that was the first time in my life. And even in the, the months after her birth, I remember checking her constantly and just being very stressed about, oh, is she still breathing? Is she still okay? And It was a big part of my world at the time. And continue to be for some time. So that was the first time it became an issue. And then things kind of subsided. I'll do some things. I did some things to counteract it, which I can talk about later. Uh, but then mm. I dropped those things. You know, I think sometimes we pick up tools. We find tools that are great. And then, like a lot of people, I stopped using them. I thought, oh, I know it now. But, of course, it's like knowing how to lift weights in a gym just because you know how to do it. If you're not doing it regularly, the muscles were atrophy. And so I stopped the practices that I gained. And as I stopped them, I noticed that gradually stress crept into my life in other forms. And it wasn't too long before the stress uh, got me again. I wasn't making such great decisions. Panic attacks returned again. I started to become anxious. And that time it was a stressful relationship that I found myself in. And I went through redundancy at the same, same time, which compounded it. So, yeah, those are the two Big times when I really felt that I got to the point of not being able to handle things at all. Wow.
0: And what was the shift that allowed you to actually start to take action on the stress that was there that allowed it to start to dissipate and so that you can actually start to move forward? Uh, Because, of course, challenges obviously still present themselves considering the amount of uh, roles that you play in life at the moment, not just a family man, but serial entrepreneur. So stress is, of course, a big factor. Now, what are some of the things that you actually apply now, considering everything that you've been through that actually allows you to alleviate stress?
1: Well, it's interesting what you say, because to be honest, stress is not part of my life at all. And you can look from the outside and it appears very stressful. Mm. Uh, but in fact, it's not. And I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing if it was, frankly, because it's not worth it. And no amount that. of achievement has any value if part of what goes with the territory is stress, because otherwise, what legacy do you have to pass on to your children um, and mm. to other people whose lives you touch? So we'll get more into that later. But I've found ways that can be very simple where a lot can happen through very little uh, the small hinge that swings the big door. So there's definite things you can do or ways you can move and groove or belief systems you can drop that things have to be complex to get done or that life has to be some choice between either on one hand, you know, you you achieve a lot, but it's stressful, but it, hey, it's mm. worth it you achieve a lot versus on the other, well, you know, I'm just doing my own thing. I'm chilling, I'm relaxing, I'm not achieving, but I'm happy. I don't want the stress of achievement. And somehow we get caught into this binary thinking, it has to be one or the other, but it's not true. In fact, it's entirely possible to do a lot, to be incredibly happy and to be incredibly stress-free. It
0: sounds so like a lot, that, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And, but but it's, it's like, a, you know, we can't control the mind using the mind. So if you're, you've probably had this experience, if you're feeling stressed, and someone says to you, hey, man, just relax. Then it's not as if the body just goes, oh, yeah, that's right. And suddenly you slip into a deep relaxation state, right?
0: Mm. Not at all.
1: In fact, if anything, you probably feel more stressed and more angry towards the person who said it to you.
0: Yeah, actually, so um, I, lo- I love the yeah. quote. Um, it was um, nobody in the history of anyone that said to calm down. Has anyone ever calmed down? <laughs> Correct. <laughs> I love that. <laughs>
1: So we already know that the strategy of trying to give a direct command to the mind when we're already stressed is foolish. So we can't do it directly using the mind, but we can do it using the breath. And that's with the tool mm. that I discovered. Of course, the other thing people say to us when we're not feeling calm is, hey, take a deep breath, which is actually much more useful advice because there's a number of physiological changes, psychological changes, emotional changes, uh, spiritual changes that occur when we, are able to breathe in a different way. And that for me was the key. Mm. And it was actually seven years after my firstborn child passed away and I did counseling and everything helped to some degree, absolutely. But there was something that still felt stuck, something that wasn't allowing me to feel totally free again or totally joyous uh, the way I had in my early years before that life event. And someone invited me to this breathing course and it was called the Healing Breath at the time. And I remember looking at this poster and thinking, okay, I already know how to breathe and I don't need healing. <laughs> and so I didn't respond very positively, but, but, but she was persuasive. And so I went along anyway. Yeah. And the first couple of days, you know, it was good, but I wouldn't say it was life-changing. But then we did this particular technique, um, sky breathing or and Kriya. And, oh, my God, that was life-changing. And I could feel a lot of the stresses and tensions that had been stored on a cellular level just rising up and being expressed. And I was crying. It was a lot of emotions. But as the emotions were coming, I could feel there was also a purging at a cellular level, which was something I'd never experienced. And after that whole breathing process uh, that I learned on that art of living course, I felt totally at peace. And that grief I experienced had transferred into gratitude. Just complete gratitude. And I remember thinking, wow, I experienced so much stress, so much anxiety, even depression, and and even the low throb of just living life at a slightly less joyous pace, which is nothing clinical about it, but it's just as if the world is a slightly grayer shade. For seven years, not knowing about this, and I just felt people must know about this. I've got to teach people Mm. it. And, well, be careful what you wish for, because that's what it was inside of (laughs) today.
0: Yeah, definitely. And uh, I remember, actually, when I was looking through, you mentioned how the grief uh, lifted Mm. off you, and it was gone from the first moment that you actually practiced that breathing technique, which is absolutely incredible. But I I feel like that just... Mm. Yeah,
1: we're we led to believe that's not possible. Well, you go through yeah. seven stages of grief, and it takes a long time. That's well, that's only true if you're not using a power tool.
0: Yeah, yeah, and in fact, when I reflect on my own uh, depression and anxiety. Uh, It's really interesting when I do actually look back because, of course, there are all these certain tools that are available, yet I was just so unaware. And that's actually one of the big reasons why I do this podcast, of course. Yet something actually just um, came up uh, when I was actually listening to express that. And that was just this idea that, man, honestly, when I was depressed and when I was anxious, there was Mm -hmm. some times when I wasn't aware uh, where I thought I was fine but I wasn't happy Mm. and I wasn't aware Mm. that I wasn't happy. I wasn't aware that I was super stressed. And in those moments, uh, I feel like having certain cues or, uh, certain things that I could tune into to become aware of that would have allowed me to, in that Mm. time actually shift it and take action. And I would love to hear Mm. what are some things or some tools or some cues that you could recommend to people who maybe aren't, um, aren't knowing that they're unhappy or aren't knowing that they're super stressed. Yeah, and so they can yeah. turn into so, that. So,
1: cues to recognize it, you mean?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Look, I think one thing is it's the feedback of people around you. Mm. And of course, this can be a challenge because one of the things you feel like doing when you're depressed is isolating yourself. And so, not only do you feel more lonely, but you actually cut off from the feedback of people around you. Right. But if time has gone by and you haven't spent time talking to other people, or you're finding that more of the time is going into things which don't require any deep layer of connection, or if you don't feel like you're being useful, then these are things to to look at. Because uh, one thing my master says is that the best recipe for depression is to sit around thinking, what about me all the time? Mm. If you want a recipe for depression, just think, what about me? What about me? What about me? But if you want an antidote for it, then think, how can I serve? How can I serve? How can I serve? Give the very thing you feel you don't have. So if ever you're feeding in your thoughts, oh, I don't have much money, or then give $2 to a busker. If you're feeling, oh, I don't have any time, then give someone your time. Commit a random act of kindness. If you think I don't have much energy, then Do something that requires a little bit of energy and see how it energizes you. If you feel like other people aren't giving you recognition, then praise someone else. And in that moment, we become useful. And when we become useful, then our spirit lifts. You've experienced this, I'm sure. The moment you do something where you become useful, the spirit lifts. So I think the cues are if you're feeling you're lost in your own thoughts, uh, you're spending a lot of time analyzing yourself or, you know, you you're cut off or you haven't done anything useful for a while then yes these are things where some circuit breaker we're doing some active service is going to help to just get you out of that uh, stuck place and this can be an important first step
0: Mm. and actually i'd love to actually continue that train so on the idea of first steps uh, yeah. acts of service. I, 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 completely feel that that's definitely something that I resonate with a lot in terms of first step. Mm. Um, I do want to touch on that though, because this is something that once upon a time I did an act of service out of expectation. Uh, it was mm-hmm. Christmas 2018. I was going through a lot of anxiety and I baked Christmas cookies for the homeless, took mm-hmm. them out to the homeless with the expectation mm-hmm. that I'm going to feel so much better about myself when I do yep. this. And when yep. I did it, I didn't which is crazy because I had that expectation rather than than it being for the sake of the homeless. And that was a really interesting experience. So I'd love you to touch on expectation and the uh, problems that expectation can cause actually, whether it's service or whether it's in relationships or anywhere. Yeah, see,
1: Very nice self-awareness. You saw that the intention changes the flavor. Mm. So what happened was you turned an active service into an active business. It was an exchange.
0: I yeah. will do this
1: thing, and in return, I will get something back. The currency I will get back is feeling good. So the irony is, even if you're doing an act of service, expecting that, oh, by doing this, I will feel good. That's it. Service gone. You've turned it yeah. into a business transaction. Uh... So this is why people who are doing acts of charity and, you know, they give a lot of money to a children's hospital or to open some uh, big new center, and then they say, and all I ask is just that my name goes on this hospital. That's it. The moment that person's name goes on the hospital, service, gone. You have bought that name. It's become a transaction. Mm. When you, if, you'd, if you say, oh, I did so much. All I wanted was a little bit of recognition. That's it. Service, gone. You wanted an exchange. You wanted something back. Service is where you give without any expectation of anything in return. And that is what uplifts the spirit and you've observed this yourself already right and if you think to the times when you did something and you had no expectation just how much it raised your spirit yeah i'm sure you've noticed this yeah
0: yeah definitely
1: so so what the intention is maybe is all important
0: yeah intention so that's the key word that I was um that I, that I also have been thinking about a lot which is this idea of substituting expectation for intention uh mm-hmm. now is as how can one actually allow that to happen so that when they are so attached to an expectation because they're so desperate for that outcome, whatever that might be, whether it's an expectation of feeling good after an act of service or whether it's an expectation of if I say this, then I'll get this back or I do this and I get this back. uh, How can one start to shift that?
1: So the first thing is just to observe what's happened in the past when you did anything with some attachment to an outcome. How has it gone? What has that expectation of an outcome done? Has it taken you closer to that outcome?
0: Oh, no. Yeah. No.
1: So, see, in a conversation, you want to have a conversation, but you have some agenda. You want the conversation to move in a particular direction. Now, the moment you've done that, you've made the other person a pawn in your mental chess game. Mm. Oh, I want you to move from this square to this square. Oh, you're not moving to the square. And so then what happens? the intellect comes in, the control comes in you try and manufacture and maneuver a person and the person can feel the difference right? Because you're no longer free you're no longer behaving naturally and spontaneously so that expectation of how things should go limits you and binds you and takes you out of your heart Mm. so I'm not saying don't have intentions yes, have an intention, absolutely but the moment you go to action that's it, drop the intention Right. drop it 100% like poison (laughs) and then it leaves you free so then whatever is happening you just act and trust that whatever is supposed to happen will happen and that gives you so much freedom because that attachment to a certain outcome binds us stops us behaving spontaneously and stops us being free and experiencing freedom and giving freedom to others
0: Hmm. i love that so much and uh, yeah, that's definitely a big reason why I wanted to sort of go on a tangent slightly to expectation, which is it's definitely something that's brought me a lot of suffering in the past. And I think it's such an important factor to that first step, which is stepping into acts of service um, to help alleviate uh, certain feelings of loneliness, certain feelings of anxiety, yeah. depression, whatever that is. And um, I would love to touch on maybe uh, another uh, one or two steps that people can start to implement as well so that they can really start to create forward momentum around their own mental health and struggles. And um, of course, we'll definitely touch on uh, Shivanshanal Kriya uh, later on in terms of where people can find that. However, method is that- You can do do... something
1: very simple. Mm. So, you know, doing things you already know, like if you look around, see, no one can be continuously depressed. It's not possible. Even Mm. psychologists and psychiatrists say, Even if you're clinically depressed, you will have experienced a state of depression for two and a quarter days, and then it will lift to something else. Maybe sadness, maybe happiness, maybe whatever. But you cannot stay continuously depressed. So it's a cycle. And in your life, if you've experienced this, you will also observe that you already have some tools. You are are not ill-equipped of tools. So just look and see what things you've done before. Oh, it seems like when I uh, go for a walk in nature, I feel better. It lifts me out of that state. Oh, I feel that when I put on a certain type of music, then it raises my spirits. Or oh, I feel that when I sing, when I dance, or when I draw a picture, or whatever it is, or when I talk to this person, then I feel better. So you can just make some notes. Or when I meditate, or when I do whatever, I close my eyes and I feel grateful for something. So you've already experienced things which can elevate your state. So we're not helpless. We have the power. Would you agree? Everyone has the power, some power yeah. to, to shift the state. Even if it's subtle, doesn't matter. So first is to recognize I have the power to shift my state. I am not at the mercy of some biochemical reactions in my brain. Yes, I may have tendencies and all the rest, and I may have labels put on me and all this, but I am not helpless. I'm not a victim. So, so do one thing. And you can keep a little list because if you feel that like you forget, then you can just, you know, keep a little I did this for a long time actually. I would keep a little list. And then rather than remember 17 things, I just needed to remember one thing. Look at the back page of my book. And then I'd look, oh that's right. And then I'll see that thing and I'd go through. It'd be like choosing a food off a menu. Oh yes, I'm gonna do this thing. And I'd put on some music and you know it would make a difference. And then in yeah. that state, I was better empowered to do the next action than the next one. So very simple, practical things will definitely make a difference.
0: Love that, and it sounds yeah. to me like there's this concept of when something is going in a certain way that is downward, uh, sideways, yeah. whatever that is. To uh, in those moments, once firstly that person becomes aware, like we mentioned, mm. of oh, this is heading in the way in the direction that I don't want in mm. terms of my emotional mm. state, mental state, is to shift their state. In that moment, yeah. then take action from that state, so they can cr- start to create full momentum and move forward yeah. in that way. Is, that, is, is yeah. that sort of a fair summary? Of...
1: I would say the what first is thing is actually just recognizing this is the way that I'm feeling right now. Uh, so practicing self awareness. So the, yeah. you don't even—it's not the action is not even coming from a place of there being anything wrong. So it's, mm. this is a subtle distinction. So you're not taking the action to try and. Change the state specifically. What you're saying is, let me do something that's good for me. So first, recognize, okay, right now oh, this that. is how it is. I feel down. At least be at peace with the fact you feel down. You know, mm. otherwise we're just adding a fight to feeling down. It's like yeah. it, some of it, a person feels stressed, and then you recognize you feel stressed, and it becomes another stress trying to remove the stress. So first, at least if you cannot be at peace, at least be the peace at peace with the fact you're feeling stressed will be at peace with the fact right now I am feeling down. Okay. So be it. This is how it is right now. Then from that place of self-acceptance, then you can take action.
0: Mm, I love that. And um, this is a really interesting concept because this idea of being at peace with sadness, being at peace with anxiety, whatever it is. uh, This is such an interesting concept because I remember in, my, in uh, my past self, I would find this frustration within myself that no mm-hmm. matter how much I tried to feel peaceful about my anxiety or peaceful about yeah. my de- the depression that yeah. I was feeling, I just felt like I couldn't. So what would you say to someone that is in this feeling of they can't help but to fight? What would you say yeah. to them?
1: See, it's like this. You take a deep breath in. Can you hold your mm. breath forever? You have no choice. At some point, you have to let go, right? Yeah. So it happens naturally by itself. You fight and you fight, and then you say, ah, oh, forget it. I just let go. <laughs> and it's in that moment of surrender that actually the change occurs, isn't it? Mm. When you just let go, you say, ah, oh, this is too big for me. You, I, I surrender it. I surrender it to some higher power, to whatever. And then from that state of being at peace, actually, that's when the shift can start to occur. Oh, I love that.
0: Okay, and then now, say the shift is occurring; they're starting to feel yep. a little bit more at peace. What can one do to start to not just, of course, continue that alleviation of uh, that stress or anxiety, but also to actually create some some sustainable shifts that actually that continue so that when a future experience that might've led to that original stress original anxiety, depression, whatever it was, uh, that it becomes a shift so that they don't experience as much of, if not any, when they come and face those, that same challenge. Brought it up.
1: First thing I would say is be compassionate towards yourself. So, you know, when, uh, I know from my own experience when in the past, when I've been in that state, Then thoughts can be uh, thoughts of self-judgment or self-loathing or I'm no good. And why am I here again? And I've tried so many things and still I'm back here. And just to observe those thoughts and you can just ask yourself a subtle question like, you know, is is this way of thinking actually useful to me? You know, would I talk this way to a dear friend? And I think we know the answer. The answer is, of course not. (laughs) So, okay, then why would I talk this way to myself? And then just a subtle shift in perspective, which is rather than looking at what's the same, looking at what's changed. It's like, okay, what's changed? There's always something that I can celebrate. There's always something that I can be grateful for. So right now, my emphasis is all going into, oh, I'm depressed again. Oh, I'm feeling down again. Oh, will I ever get out of this? All these feelings, right? I know I've been there. Yeah. And... The subtle shift, which is, okay, yes, and I am also aware that I'm feeling this way. This is progress. This is good. I love that. I'm not fighting with it. I'm in the process of being at peace with it. This is good. Maybe this is occurring, but I've introduced one new tool, and maybe this is making a difference. And if I look back to a year ago, things have definitely shifted in a positive direction. I have more tools, more resources, more friends. And just look at the things that you can always look at what you have less of and feel miserable, but look at the things you have more of and feel grateful. Yeah. So this gratitude will also help so that then next time you're there, you started the process of educating your mind out of that direction of the self-loathing which can go with that feeling of being down. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I love that no even it's it's
1: like oh i only had 27 thoughts of (laughs) self-clothing you know yesterday it was 35 there's always something to celebrate right
0: yeah definitely yeah it's
1: all in our perspective shift yeah
0: yeah um it's definitely been big for me as well as just that recognition of certain shifts, especially when it's come to love for me, actually. It's always Mm -hmm. been a very challenging one in terms of fear around love and actually allowing myself to really acknowledge that although it's been one of the biggest fears that I've actually faced, which has Mm -hmm. been in love, actually, and really allowing myself to acknowledge the subtle shifts that have occurred over long periods of time and have actually led to much more exponential progress, uh, consequently yeah. because of the acknowledgement of that. So, yeah, I, I definitely want to yeah, acknowledge that because it's been Absolutely. such a big thing for myself as well. Mm. Yeah. Wonderful. And now when it comes to anxiety, because this is just such a big mm-hmm. factor that has been a part of my life and I'd love to actually pick your brain on this idea yeah. of when of course, you've obviously experienced this a lot yourself in the past, which is when falling into anxiety or panic in in those moments, there's almost this one track minded thought of whatever is on the mind in that moment. It's just like, Mm. I can't get away from that thought. So of course, uh, actually um, in in those moments when they're, they're absolutely consumed, is there um, awareness aside if they feel like they they're just completely consumed in that moment is there maybe something that they can do or something that they can uh, uh action on so that they can start to shift that so that they can become a little bit more aware a little bit more calm and then start to take action
1: perhaps there is but I'll be very honest it's not something that I've discovered so right. with anxiety if my, I can only talk from my own experience but yeah. for me it was different and I felt When I felt depressed, I still had some level of control over my thoughts. When I was anxious, it felt like I had not very much control. Yeah. Now, I'm sure there are tools that you can exercise that can. I just didn't discover them. What I did discover was something which was on the front foot, such as the anxiety didn't occur in the first place. Right, I see. Yeah. So my uh, deliverance from it, you could say, Happened in the form of, again, it was just through breathing and meditation techniques. And mm. I just remember nine months down the track noticing, oh, I haven't had a panic attack for nine months. And it just felt oh. so normal that I hadn't even recognized <laughs> him until nine months afterwards. And not yeah. only that, but it's like, why well, I can't remember getting angry. I remember it was literally nine months and I felt angry in the car for the first time. And I was like, what's this feeling? Wow. Oh, I haven't experienced this for a long time. <laughs> So, you know, these feelings will still arise, and that's actually the other thing I would say that this applies to depression is, and it comes back to your point on expectation, is, is not to place an expectation that a great life looks like you're never down, you're never sad, you're never frustrated, you're never angry. I mean, my goodness, um, that would be un- intolerable and unbearable, and you'd lose <laughs> part of the richness. So be happy yeah. when you're feeling sad or down or angry or frustrated. This is all part of the richness of life. So life has its peaks and it has its valleys. The difference is being at peace with the peaks and valleys. Mm. That's the difference. If you can look at it from the outside and go, okay, right now I'm feeling sad. Okay, this too will pass. Makes all the difference. I
0: love that. And I'd love you to actually speak on the value of the troughs, of the valleys.
1: Oh, absolutely. See, one thing... See, sadness, something gets cultivated, and it's as if something, your capacity deepens to experience intense emotions. That's all it is. And so, you know, the loss of a loved one or someone dies you care about or the loss of a relationship or whatever it is, or the loss of some uh, dream you had, the loss of some job or something that you'd attached identity to, then some sadness comes of course it's very natural and but if you also observe that after someone dies or some intense sadness or some major event that there's also incredible peace it's not sadness all the time is it yeah and it's also in those moments that we actually everything that doesn't have meaning gets stripped away and we remember what life is really about it was actually at my father's funeral that i got clear I didn't want to be a tech entrepreneur anymore and then I wanted to be a coach. Wow. Because everything that was non-essential got stripped away. And when you're faced with something as major as a trough as death of a loved one, then everything which is illusory just fades away into insignificance. And you ask the big questions, such as why am I here? What am I doing? Who am I? And all those little questions, right? Who will take care of me? Uh, why am I so miserable? Or why can't I never da 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 da, da. Mm. All those questions fade to the background. And so we ask the big questions. And that comes out of these times, these breakdown times or this, these troughs. So be grateful for the troughs because they remind you of who you are and they cause you to ask the big questions that create the profound shifts. Mm. And, you know, if you look back in life, it's like uh, if I hadn't gone through that time of losing my first child and hadn't gone through those panic attacks or depression. Well, for one thing, I wouldn't be on this interview right now. What yeah. would I have to contribute? It would all be theoretical, right? Mm. Uh, the second thing is I wouldn't have taken any action. if I, Because if there's no pain or if there's no feeling of, oh, there's something that I would like to shift inside me, then we don't take action. I wouldn't have done that breathing course. I wouldn't have uh, taken steps to, to, towards self-improvement if there hadn't been some trough that I'd been through that had caused me to take that action, I just would have kept on surfing. I'm okay. I didn't need anything. (laughs) Yeah. In fact, that is almost what did happen.
0: Yeah. And then of course, by uh, brushing things off because everything was quote unquote, okay. It did lead to that big
1: buildup, right? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's very interesting. I was speaking to an, an art of living teacher, who lives in the Gold Coast about courses there and saying, How are they going? And she said, Oh, not so well, actually. Things are much easier in New York. People were so stressed that we had so many courses lined up. Here in the Gold Coast, no one thinks they need it. Oh, wow. So that was case in point. So all that stress that existed in that high paced world of New York had caused people to recognize, I am stressed. I want to do something about it. Mm. Gold Coast, people didn't take action right so even that stress you know has a value to it yeah it takes you someplace which is you wouldn't take yourself necessarily without that so be grateful for the stress be grateful for the, for the depression be grateful for every experience you have in life just trust that it's there for some reason you cannot see yet
0: yeah oh, so true and i feel like as well uh, opposites reflect so well don't they it's like when I reflect on those most depressed moments, most anxious moments of my life, it really helps me appreciate the joy that I experience or the peace that I experience Mm -hmm. in those moments so much more. It's yeah, really, really beautiful. Yeah. Uh, And, Now, when one does actually manage to start to make these shifts, they start to feel uh, that sense of peace, that sense of joy, and they feel like they're finally making progress internally, and they feel like uh, they're really wanting to now actually take action and step into their dreams, right? Now, they're really wanting to now, now take action externally, and they feel now capable. Uh, In fact, actually, I'd love to actually touch on that word capable because that's, I know, the very big thing that not not just myself, but many of my friends that I've talked to, many of the clients I've worked with have a a real big struggle with, which is this feeling of, well, feeling capable, feeling worthy, feeling enough. Mm -hmm. And now, of course, we've talked about depression and anxiety and things to do around that. But what about someone that? is just sort of stuck in the space of just not feeling enough for maybe their friends, maybe their family, their relationship, uh, their dream uh, goal or their work, their career, the promotion they wanna go for, whatever it is. And they want to start feeling enough so they feel confident enough to start moving forward and make progress with that. What are some things that you would suggest to that person that feels stuck there?
1: First thing is to recognize that your feeling of enoughness cannot come from your achievements. So if you're looking to pursue some goal or achieve some recognition or status or position or financial thing, or even some great service to fill some void inside you, then it's going to leave you empty. That feeling of enoughness doesn't come from events, it comes from who you are. And You know, there's been times as a child, we know this. See, a child is there to actually educate us. This is a big joke. Parents think they're educating the children. Actually, the children are educating (laughs) the parents (laughs) who have forgotten how to feel like they're enough,
0: who think they need
1: all this stuff in order to feel self-worth and happiness and capable. See, a child doesn't do that. You observe them, and they're so fully immersed and joyous, and they have nothing. You know, they have no job, Mm. no status, no title, no recognition, no money. Nothing. And they need nothing. Just a simple act of pushing a chair or my six-year-old, my youngest daughter has just learned to ride a bike for the first time. I saw that. To see the joy on her face. That's amazing. And a simple act of learning how to ride a bike and how much joy that's brought her. But see, the joy is not in the accomplishment. The joy was in her. The accomplishment was just an excuse to bring it out. It would have come out anyway in some other form or to hear her singing to herself, or lost in her own world, or drawing a picture. See, so first is to know that you are enough. And just to sink into that feeling of enoughness and know that without any title, without any achievement, without any dream, without any money, you are enough. Because if you depend on those things, see, all those things can be taken away, right? You gain some money, (laughs) oh, now I feel enough. Well, so Mm. what? Then you lose some money. Oh, now I'm no longer enough. And even if you don't lose it, oh, I have to protect what I got now because if I lose it, then I won't feel enough anymore. So the fear just is ever present because the root cause of seeing that some worth would happen from something outside you has not been addressed. So just know from your heart that you are love, that you are peace, you are enough right this moment. Feel that feeling of completeness. First, you feel happy. And then if you want to do something, fantastic. I'm not saying don't do things, don't have goals. Absolutely have goals. But have these goals from that place of feeling, I am enough right now. I feel full. I feel content. Now with this contentment, what do I want to do? And then you observe that the actions you take will have a completely different quality. They'll also be more likely to be successful because they're not coming from that place of feverishness, of trying to close a gap between where you are and the self-worth you want to experience they're just an expression of your feeling of fullness and if you don't feel it all the time doesn't matter if you even you feel it fleetingly oh right now this moment i feel enough wonderful celebrate that that's a start Mm. and do more of the things that cultivate more of that feeling that give you more of that joy i love that
0: would you say integrity has a big part around self-worth or enoughness
1: See, integrity is what? That you do what you say. Or Mm. you take actions which are in alignment with your values. So to have integrity, first you need to have self-awareness. If you don't have self-awareness, then you will say, oh, yes, I have a lot of integrity. But all it really means is that I haven't had enough self-awareness to notice my lack of integrity. So I would say actually place some importance on self-awareness first.
0: Yeah. Then with
1: self-awareness, you'll know spontaneously, oh, that action was not in integrity with what I believe. Oh. And that will cause a little pinch of pain and then you'll self-correct.
0: Mm. So beautifully said. So awareness, how can one expand on self-awareness?
1: Meditation. Ooh, Meditation literally is the practice of self-awareness. Yeah, and it's actually very simple because you think about what it is literally. Meditation is when you are practicing that feeling of being enough. <laughs> you know, what we say is that in meditation, the three things are important. The feeling, I want nothing. So you drop all the desires, all those things that you want, that you think are going to give you happiness. You just drop them completely and feel the liberation from all the, the pressure and the stress that chasing things has given you in your life. Again, I'm not saying don't have things, but just, just observe how they can bring stress. And you just drop them completely. Second, you drop your identity, all those roles you play in society. And you just feel, I am nothing. Just be like a child again, be innocent. So I want nothing, I am nothing. And third thing is you drop that sense of what you are doing. You know, all these things we try to do to achieve some goals, some outcome, some agenda, you know, with some expectation of joy at the other end. So you're not even wanting to meditate to achieve some, some joy or see some great white light. So you just drop all those things and you just be. And then what are you doing? You're practicing being, not doing. And you just tune yourself to some thought. You can many forms. You can do guided meditation, you know, different mantra meditations, all sorts. But you're literally practicing being self-aware. And when you practice something, that muscle grows. You go to the gym, you do bench presses, you know, you get big pectorals. If you sit down and meditate, you're practicing the self-awareness muscle, self-awareness joy increases. And that self-awareness is your ultimate friend because that will spot where you're out of integrity, where you've missed taking some action, Mm. where you've forgotten to use something you know. All of this knowledge will come to you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And no, I would even actually like to highlight just because meditation was an interesting experience for me over many years of trying to practice it. It's like this thing that I was trying to do rather than realizing mm-hmm. that it's something that I don't actually try. <laughs> it's something that I just do. Yeah. Um, yeah uh, is the fact that it's not, um, me trying to, stop thinking or me trying to yeah. stop my mind. It's yeah, actually me allowing it. And that was definitely a really big shift for me. And I, I just love what you shared, Daniel, around actually uh doing nothing because my mind was always trying to do. <laughs> so actually coming away. Exactly. From the doing. Yeah.
1: And see so many people say, Oh, I tried meditating, it didn't work. It's not for me. Yeah. Um, this is crazy thinking. Absolute craziness. It's like a child saying, Oh, I tried that walking thing once, it didn't work, I fell over <laughs> So this is nonsense. You yeah. know, we have this ridiculous expectation that on the very first time, it, I mean, for some people it happens that way. That's a nice bonus, but don't expect that. Mm. Uh, that on the very first time we ever try something, we'll be a master immediately. Well, this is guaranteed to stunt your progress. See, yeah. a child, again, does not have this. A child has this notion of, I will keep on going until, yeah. and it doesn't see that it's failed to walk. It just says, okay, I learned another way not to walk. That's feedback, they'd be continue. Same thing. So place less emphasis on, on pressure on yourself and, and less emphasis. Well, other people say, oh, yes, I tried meditating, but I still had lots of thoughts. Well, what were you expecting? That suddenly after <laughs> having all of this lifetimes of 60,000 thoughts a day, and who knows how many other lifetimes if you want to go there, that suddenly you're going to be devoid of thoughts on the first attempt? That's like thinking you do 200 kilometers an hour on a German autobahn, you take your foot off the accelerator, <laughs> right, and you're going to instantly stop. It's not going to happen. Yeah. So the mind has a certain momentum. So again, rather than putting the emphasis on, oh, I still had some thoughts. Well, was the mind quieter? Was there relatively fewer? Oh, yes, there were. There were fewer thoughts. Okay. Did you have at least one moment when the mind was devoid? Yes, I did. Then that's enough. Meditation has occurred. Something good has occurred. It's been kindled. Mm. And with practice, that increases. So even if you had a couple of seconds where you we devoid of thoughts, that has given so much rest to the whole being, to the whole mind, in a way that sleep cannot. Sleep gives rest to the body, but doesn't give such deep rest to the mind. But even a few minutes, or even a few seconds, with a still mind, keeps deep rest to the whole nervous system and mind. They say, you know, if you did 20 minutes of meditation, that's equivalent to eight hours sleep in terms of the restorative effect it has on our mind. Wow, Stresses start to just spontaneously vanish. You don't have to do anything.
0: I suppose it's like you mentioned earlier where you started, you went nine months and you suddenly felt angry and you're like, what is this? (laughs) (laughs) Because you've done the prerequisites that allowed for that, uh, that experience to start to shift internally. Uh, and yeah, that's definitely something that I've noticed myself as well with that. And uh, actually, in fact, the, the shift in self-awareness has allowed me to uh, amplify my external ability in mm. many ways. And I know that's been something that's been massive for you as well. So I'd love to touch on that in terms of uh, what is the importance in self-awareness and the importance in our overall internal joy and internal peace on external success? Hmm.
1: First thing, it's you don't have to be internally joyful to have one-dimensional success. There's plenty mm. of examples of people who have no joy inside them who yeah. get one-dimensional success, maybe some status, yeah. maybe some money. But if you want true success, then that is synonymous with joy. See, what is true success? What, what? Who do you look up to that you think is someone successful that you yourself would want to be like? Who is it? Is it someone who's very stressed, who has billions of dollars in their bank account no. you say, "Oh, I want to be that person too. No, of course not. <laughs> and maybe some people do want to be that, but that's only because they haven't yet cultivated the self-awareness and even questioned whether that's something worth having. And mm. they're still stuck at the phase of thinking that that will give them some feelings of self-worth, which of course it never can. Yeah. So first thing is to go, well, what actually is success? And I would say success is freedom. Success is that you can feel that no matter what fortunes happen on the outside, that you can maintain calm, that you can maintain your self-awareness, that you can still be unconditionally loving. I'll give you an example. So uh, one of the people on my coaching group, he's recently been through a separation after more than two decades of marriage. And then not only went through that process, but then his ex-wife then went into another relationship. And then I was living with that person. And then there were the Facebook photos of them making happy families together. And then the children went over there. and, And we were seeing the whole process of this. And his biggest victory was that He was able to observe and use his self-awareness to see how he could go into jealousy or despondency or victimhood or anger or frustration or despair or self-loathing or self-blame or blame of others or any of those negative emotions. Mm -hmm. But with his self-awareness, he was able to remain centered and then make some better choices. And he chose each time to be unconditionally loving towards his ex-wife. And he brought us to tears many times just with how he was able, just with his self-awareness and his knowing that he is love, wow. that he was able to stay loving and stay. And and as a result of that, he has a great relationship with his kids. They don't feel the tension about the marital separation, um, adult children. He's maintained a positive relationship with his ex. He's managed to go through an entire a financial separation without drama and they are offering each other more and he hasn't wasted all this emotional energy in blame of self or blame of others. Wow. And as a result, he's been able to move on. Now, I'm not saying that it was, wasn't was without um, moments of struggle. There were times when he mm. was waking up in the night and feeling, oh, now it's actually kicked in and of course those things happened. Yeah. But he, with his awareness, he was able to make shifts and take life-supporting actions. And one thing that really helped him was he had a group of people around him who really cared for him deeply, who were able to support him through it, which is so important. Don't feel you have to do these things alone. Surround yourself with people who are themselves, uh, want the best for you and want to be of service to you. It's very important. And it makes it easier. And if you surround yourself, Jim Rohn once said, surround yourself with um, six people is the best strategy for having an excellent life Mm. and i found that to be true so that team you have around you the company you keep has a big influence on your behaviors so i I share that story um, with that client just to say look what a beautiful example of how it's possible, even going through something very stressful with a lot of upheaval, it is still possible. Not to say that you're going to feel on an even keel all the time, of course not, but with self-awareness, you can direct that back towards being unconditionally loving. And this Mm. is not something you do just as a goody-goody thing. It's actually better for you. It's better for your own (laughs) peace of mind, for your own relationships. He's been able to move on faster. Um, He's just absolutely flying in his career and in his life. He's happy being single. And wow. so many amazing things have happened that couldn't have if you've been consumed in the whole drama.
0: Wow. Wow. That's so powerful, Daniel. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And no, I, I actually, um, I, I want to actually start to wrap this uh, interview up. However, this one thing that I absolutely would be, it would be absolutely criminal if I didn't touch on this, <laughs> seeing as all the things that you've done. <laughs> so success Say someone wants to step into a specific goal, dream, whatever that is that they want to cultivate. Mm. What are the first steps for that person?
1: I think that was the code of my story. See, that person I'm describing, he is successful. That's freedom. Ooh. That's success. Yeah. So, so yes, f- for me, yeah, it's good to have a dream. I mean, we're here to do something big. Absolutely. Mm. And so first step is... Cultivate the mindset of someone who's going to be capable of doing it. Ah. Because, see, what happens is, and I see this a lot in the professional world and in the work I do with, with CEOs, that they'll be very good on two things, on two levels. They'll be very good in terms of they'll have a clearly defined vision. At some point, they've got some good leadership training or they've come to it intuitively or whatever. And they have a very clearly defined vision. They know what they want and why they're doing it. Great. But second, they also have clarity about the clear and narrow path towards that vision. So they know how to execute it. And they can communicate that to their team. And that's wonderful because if you, can, if you know where you're going and you know how you're going to get there, or at least how you might get there, that's inspiring and you can bring a team with you. Mm. But the most important component is who you're going to be. Who you are going to be that does the how, that realizes the what. So if you have some oh. some dream, some vision, yes, of course, work out what it is because a boat without a rudder cannot leave the harbor. So work out where you're heading. Secondly, don't just think, oh, okay, now I have a vision, I'll put it up on my vision board. Okay, mission done. No, you need to take some action. <laughs> if some actions are required, yes. Yeah. So let's work it work I've out. Heard that a lot. Now, of course, some people say, "Oh, there's no point in me planning because things will change." Yes, that's why you plan because things will change. At least you should have a point of departure. With no plan, there's no point of departure. So be flexible, but still have a plan. And then the third thing is, once you have those two things, focus on who you're going to be and ask yourself the question, who am I going to be in the pursuit of this? Mm. And what do I want to be? Take the emphasis off the goal now, off the destination, and think that destination was just an excuse for my expansion. That's all it is. So the real purpose of the dream is not even the realization of the dream. It's who you get to become <laughs> yeah, in the yeah. pursuit of that dream. Oh. so dream big. Because if you look at the dream and you think you mentioned the word capacity before or capability, yeah, you go, yeah, I've got the capability to pull that off. That's a good realistic dream. No, that's a terrible dream. Then what's the point? You're not gonna grow. You're not gonna have mm. to take those old moves. You're not gonna have to be creative or think differently or expand outside your current capacity. So it should feel like something that's beyond your current capacity. That will grow you. That will stretch you so much more. And you'll have no choice to think creative, to take bold moves, to to put these tools in place. It's like, oh, I think I'm going to have to meditate now to get there <laughs> because I'm going to have to, be done to improve my clarity of thought. And so you'll find yourself doing more things. Mm. And then just place emphasis each day on who you're going to be. What are the qualities of the person who's going to pull them off? Well, they might need to have good communication skills. Okay, so what am I going to do to increase that? they are probably going to have to be pretty decisive. Okay, they're going to have to be inspiring. There's going to be a team of people around them. Okay, so I need some leadership qualities. Well, Mm. what's a good leader? Someone who is able to be the change they see in the world. Okay, so that behooves me to be an example. If I'm going to ask other people to look after themselves, take care of themselves, you know, to, to have good physical health and emotional and spiritual health then if I'm not doing that myself, how's that going to go down? Mm. It's not. It's not going to land. So now I must do those things in service to my vision. Wow. So be clear on what you're doing and why. Be clear on how. And then drop that, place emphasis on who you're going to be. (sighs) Choose a vision that expands you.
0: Wow, Daniel. This has been absolutely fantastic. I've been (laughs) so excited at everything that you've been saying. And um, I just want to thank you so much for coming on. Uh, This has honestly been um, fantastic on my end. And I can absolutely guarantee that anyone that has been tuning in has absolutely taken at least something away from this. So I'd love to just touch on before we check in with where they can find you. Uh, Mm. Sky, so uh, Creo. how can they get access to this breathing technique that allowed you to start to uh, make shifts in your own life?
1: So best place is if you go to artofliving.org, artofliving.org, and whatever country you're in, that'll go to the country's website. And then you just look up happiness program or online breathing and meditation program. They're done both in person or if you're in an area where that's not possible at this time in history then we also do it online and you can just learn in a couple of hours a day for three four days and then you pick up a technique very simple and then 20 minutes a day or so you just sit down and then you just see how everything just falls into place during your day very simple very natural anyone can do it
0: Okay, beautiful. And actually, uh, for those that are listening, you'll be able to find the link to the Art of Living site in uh, the description as well. So just go down there as well as all the information to find. Daniel will be able to find his book as well uh, down there. And uh, where are the main places that people can find you if they want to uh, follow you essentially or connect with you?
1: Yeah, sure. So uh, on Facebook, uh, Daniel Batten, and also my website, Daniel Bart- sorry, I'll say that again, Daniel Co not dot com dot mm. co mm. so they can go there and that has some of my uh, videos from a range of things talking about anything from meditation to life hacks to uh, ninja skills for co- for pitching or leadership and all oh, range of things
0: beautiful. Beautiful. Once again, guys, uh, all, all that information is going to be in the uh, description. Thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe if you feel like you got much out of this. I highly recommend following Daniel. He's, he uh, he posts some absolutely brilliant videos, by the way. I honestly find myself cracking up sometimes. He's got such a brilliant sense of humor. And uh, also be sure... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 no problem no problem I, uh, I just appreciate you coming on and just sharing your wisdom um yeah and for those that are tuning in uh if you feel that you did get a lot from this or even a little bit from this this will absolutely uh help others as well so please uh as well do us a favor and leave a review and subscribe and when you do that it actually gives us the ability to reach more people that this will help as well so Uh, thank you so much guys for tuning in, uh, much love and as always stay blessed. Catch you later.